Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Good evening, everybody. Uh, thanks for uh, tuning in. Sorry we ran a little late. I uh, decided I was going to do two podcasts tonight, which uh, in hindsight was not a very smart idea, but it's okay. You know, I haven't done a podcast in a couple months. I've been very busy with some family stuff, very busy with some Libertarian Party stuff, and podcasting has, you know, kind of fell to the wayside during those months. And I decided that. You know, I wasn't going to put it off anymore, jump back into the swing of things with both feet and just get the ball rolling. So uh, tonight I got two guests on. And, you know, what's funny is uh, this is kind of like when I had Popular Liberty on. I must have some kind of weird, uh, I don't know, masochistic tendency that I, I like to invite guests on that have the same first name to just, you know make it that much harder to have a <laughs> conductive uh productive conversation but uh first i'll bring back uh bring up caleb brown returning to the show might not be able to stay the whole time but uh he'll he'll stay as long as he can and then uh i think this will be caleb the other caleb's first time on this show i think we've done tower of babel together but i don't yeah. think i've had you yeah but i haven't had you on here so Caleb, uh, first. So first of all, we need to. I we need to come up with like a. Okay, Caleb Brown. Call me Brown. Call me, call me Brown or something. Well, you're, you're just gonna be uh, Catholic, Caleb. That's that's easy. <laughs> and then uh, uh, other Caleb, your last name is Salmon, so I'll just call you uh, Fish Caleb. Okay. So that's where we're gonna Catholic Caleb and Fish Caleb. So uh, Catholic Caleb, you've been on the show before. Give like a thirty second just reintroduction for maybe those uh, who. Yeah. Who, who don't know who you are. No problem. Uh, my name is Caleb Brown. I run the uh, Face, Liberty, and Praxis YouTube channel. Uh, and I'm the guy who uh, I own, 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 created the group Austriotomism, where we do caustic stuff and we do um, Austrian economic stuff. So we have a good mix of both. Great guys over there. Mainly the book clubs. I'm on Twitter, Caleb Brown 549 and I'm happy to be here. Oh, and I wrote a piece on Just War Doctrine, which probably will come in helpful and this, and I'll email. I'll text you to Jacob Battle so you can put it in the description if anybody wants to read it. Awesome, awesome, and that will be something I'll put in the uh, show notes because that is relevant to the topic tonight. Uh, Fish Caleb, uh, this is your first time on my show, so you know, go, feel free to go a little bit longer uh, and you know, introduce yourself to my audience and to uh, explain your your background as both a Christian and. Whatever you want to call yourself, I won't. I won't. I won't uh, ascribe the label libertarian or anything to you. You can define yourself how you see fit. Uh, yeah, I'm a recent permanent transplant to Florida uh, from the Pacific Northwest, and it's nice to live in a godly nation again. Um, I uh, my background. I grew up. Grew up a pastor's kid in the AG. Uh, nice. Fellow, so fellow pastor's kid here. 
Yeah. <laughs> Lame. Um, Bunch of nuts. All that Pentecostal fun. Um, and uh, my wife is also a pastor in the AG, so uh, heavily involved in that side of things, very firmly uh, Protestant uh, leaning. So good to differentiate me from the Catholic Caleb. Um, <laughs> better, better Caleb. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm the older of the two of us by like a year. So I think, I think I'm the original model. Yeah. At least for this group's case. I mean, you successfully got married, so it's kind of like you got one upon me there. <laughs> you can talk to women. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> just well, one. You you just do what uh, Dave Smith said, which is you find one and you lock them in your basement. Uh, worked 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 out well for us. So. <laughs> oh, see, that doesn't work in Florida. We don't have no, basements. We have basements. I mean. <laughs> yeah. What are what are okay? Uh, that's your guys' problem. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, <laughs> we got McDonald's bathrooms. I think I can use one of those. Um, and, uh, I was a basic conservative for a long time. And over the last year and a half, two years or so, pretty much since I joined on Twitter, I've just become a very radicalized anti-state. That's how I'll define myself. Cause I don't, I don't really care what comes after as much. Um, I think monarchy is probably the best, but more important than how we govern ourselves is the fact that we govern ourselves and there's not a state over us. Yeah, no, uh, amen to that. Um, you know, this r- reminds me, and I'll, I'll probably set this conversation a, a few times uh, over, over the next hour, but uh, I had a conversation with my uh, my associate pastor at my in my uh, local church last night, and yeah, we we got into a lot of a lot of politics talks. He he knows my my current politics, and uh, you know, I've, I've often described myself as as an anarchist, which was very very uh, <laughs> disconcerting uh, to, to him. And I basically had to explain like, well, it's like. I basically use the term to mean I'm an anti-statist mm-hmm. and it was like, I don't, it's a great shorthand to just kind of get that uh, on the table right away in the clearest way possible. It was like, but, uh, but yeah, self self-governance is, is where it's at. And uh, I'm definitely not anti-governance and I'm not, I'm not a, not a proponent of chaos. I just think that, mm-hmm. you know, the, the best way I've, I've always repetitively said it on my show is that the state to me, uh, falsely claims to be an agent of order when really it is an agent of chaos and and uh, does that mainly through, I mean, sometimes the libertarians, we can, you know, talk about the violence that the state does to its own people, which is, of course, very important, but something I wanted to talk about tonight amongst uh, uh, ourselves is, you know, uh, the, the violence that states do uh, to each other and to the world bro- uh, broadly. Um, you know, I forget the exact statistic. Uh, I remember like every time I listened to Jordan Peterson, I remember when he had uh, those conversations with Sam Harris and Douglas Murray and stuff, they kept citing the the death tolls that were caused by states in, mm-hmm. the, uh, in the 20th century. Uh, the 21st century, even without any nukes being dropped, is certainly not not much better the death toll continues to climb we have you know of course the the wars in the middle east iraq afghanistan the the genocide in yemen and now we got you know uh what some people are calling world war i mean i don't know i feel feel like everyone is quick to jump on to like anytime there's an international conflict it's like oh it's world war three but you know this current this one feels a little bit different because it involves russia so you know, definitely, especially a lot of the older people who lived maybe in the Cold War or post-Cold War era, uh, you know, are a bit more, I, I guess, triggered by Russia being involved in a potential, you know, struggle between two military powers. Um, you know, there, there are better equipped people to go into a deep dive of the Russia-Ukraine conflict, and that's not going to be the purpose of this show, but I think it might be important to at least you know establish a little bit of the the basics of the situation for the conversation um you know my my understanding of it is basically that uh 
you know, Ukraine wanted to join NATO and that, uh, but there's also a part of Ukraine that wanted to be part of Russia. And so it's, it's, it's very confusing. And then, uh, you know, basically uh, tensions have been rising, I guess, for the last 10, 20 years because, uh, you know, different presidents kept promising they weren't going to expand NATO, but all they've done is seemingly expand NATO right up to mm-hmm. the border of, of the former Soviet uh, Union. And Ukraine seems to be now this sort of like uh, uh, crucible where a lot of stuff is, is kind of like rising to the surface. And, you know, we don't know exactly yet how it's going to play out, if it's going to be a proxy war between Russia and America, or if any actual, you know, conflicts will happen. But, you know, Russia invaded Ukraine because, you know, they, you know, and it's it's one of those things where it's like anytime you, you even try to spell out like, hey, maybe marching up troops and having military bases, you know, right on the, the border of another country is not a good way to <laughs> promote peace and maybe that'll provoke them to war. That's not the same thing as saying that I justify or I support Russia mm-hmm. invading Ukraine. Um, but it's just about like, well, I think this whole situation and, and, you know, if you guys know anything, you know, or have any, you know, perspective you want to add to the Russia, Ukraine stuff, I'll give you a chance, but it seems to me this whole thing is a, is a, is a good, uh, example to, to kind of like springboard the discussion on what the Bible says about war on, because it's like, it's one of those things where it's like people often conceptualize war in their heads, I think, as this like clear cut thing. You know, we grew up, we grew up watching movies and reading books where it's like, there's the good guys and there's the bad guys. Right. And it's easy to know who the good guys are. It's easy to know who the bad guys are. And just, you know, enable the good guys to defeat the bad guys and, 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 you know, hoorah. And it's all, it's all good from there, but real life seems to not play out that clearly. It's a lot of times it's like, you know, it's a lot more messy and nuanced than that. And as Christians, what is, what should our response be to, to, to well, these kind of things? So uh, either, either one of you, Caleb, feel free to, to jump in and uh, so. add your own thoughts. When it really, when it comes to, um, Let's see how to put this. One, anybody wants to know about uh, war stuff, definitely read uh, Eric von Kudutlin's piece, uh, Monarchy and War, and yep. then go read a thing about Just War Series, preferably mine. Uh, if you really want to get an understanding how war, what war is, why, why states in Iraq this war specifically, the amount of propaganda they've used on our, our own troops to justify things, and propaganda on other troops, it really makes this an insane example of mind control at a, at a basic level. Um, but really, it doesn't really matter what the all that matters is the circumstances that start the war, and that's it. If no circumstances are just, and the war is just. But since no war in human history has ever reached the standard of a just war doctrine, no war has been just. And if there was a just war, there's still requirements of how to properly wage that just war. And so it's once you know a little bit of the history of every conflict, you kind of can go, okay, well, I can, all these wars are bad, and here's how we apply this to modern day wars to deter people from, you know, hyping up more governments to kill more people. Yeah. yeah, no, that's a good, that's a, I think that's a good point. Uh, Fish Caleb, what do you got? <laughs> um, it's really, it's really tricky to get into any thinking of Russia and Ukraine specifically. Um, you think about uh, what you mentioned with older people getting triggered by Russia doing anything militarily. Um, you think about, uh, sorry, there's a motorcycle going by, um, any, um, even past the cold war ending, any, um, movie set in the modern nine times out of 10, the villains are Russian. It just works out that way. Cause we're just, Hey, we're going to keep using the same bad guys we used in all the cold war movies. Um, 
and and it's uh, racist if we use the Chinese, right? It's uh, <laughs> not necessarily racist that they won't buy the movie, right? <laughs> it, yeah, not even that it's racist that that means there's a billion people can't buy tickets be, to your movie if the bad guys are a, Chinese. That's why the Red point, Dawn. But, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, this might be a side point, but when we're done with this little conversation, we gotta talk about uh, I think it actually plays well, Buzz Lightyear. What they're doing with the Chinese version, we gotta definitely talk about that a little bit because that's definitely an indication of where yeah. people's loyalties lie. Oh well, my gosh, that sounds like a that sounds like a rabbit hole. <laughs> that's why um, the Red Dawn remake that came out in like 2014 or something. Uh, yeah, kind of the time. The, at the very last minute, they changed the bad guys from being Chinese to North Koreans, uh, and so I'm supposed <laughs> to believe that North Korea invaded the entire mainland United States and won in that scenario because they wanted to be able to sell the movie in China still. Um, and uh, like I, uh, a couple weeks ago, I listened to a, a guest speaker came and uh, spoke at my church and it was an older guy and he just kept talking about how uh, you know, we all thought that Russia was going to be the end of the world and fulfill all the prophecies during Revelation, but we were wrong then, but it's probably happening now. I'm, <laughs> I'm fairly certain that this is the time where Russia is Gog and Magog, and I remember I listening. Say, is this an all partisan searches that they are always trying to read Revelations in the newspaper? Like, is mm -hmm. that a thing in every partisan search? Uh... I don't so know I don't about know. all of them. My dad didn't do yeah. that. He doesn't read the paper. Uh, what is, yeah, I I'd be interested, what is like the Catholic traditional view of the book of Revelation? Because I feel like Protestants get it completely wrong. I'd be interested to see if I'm the Catholics get it better. To be completely honest, I'm not the guy to talk to you about that. I have <laughs> okay. never read the book. I have, I have read the entire Bible uh, three times now for a church thing, but I've always lied to him about reading Revelations. I have yet to touch it. I won't do it. I see. I I got like a thing where I will start seeing patterns, and I'll be one of those guys. And so I, I haven't touched it yet. Well, I laughed because he like he talked about how um, it, it's a the dude is real smart. Like has his doctorate in divinity. Like he knows his Bible, and he's talking about how um, historically speaking, uh, Gog and Magog, the the countries that try to attack Israel and lose, and they're like a huge part of the end times uh, are the country north of Anatolia, which is today Turkey. And he's like, and what's right above Turkey, Russia. And then I pulled up a map and looked at it. And immediately north of Turkey is actually just all of Ukraine. And I was like, so your whole sermon here is just kind of blown out of the water by basic geography. Isn't that funny how so many, like, I, I love a lot of the people who are the biggest war hawks, and they are very uninformed of the geography of a mm -hmm. lot of these regions and stuff. And don't, yeah. like, you, 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 like, point to, hey, you know, it's like basic first test. Before we drop bombs, I'm going to pull up a globe, and I want you to, within five seconds, point to the spot we're dropping the bomb. Yep. <laughs> like, <laughs> maybe you yeah. should know, like, like you know, th that might seem like a, a good way to, at least start is just have a basic understanding yep. of like what the regions are and where the people are. Um, but well, go it's on. Like, I think it was the New York times did it where they just had random people guess on an unmarked map where Ukraine was. And then they put the map up with all the dots of where people clicked. I'm sure some people were trolling, but there were a not insignificant amount like in Canada, Mexico and the United States. And I'm just like, well, of course these people think we need to nuke Russia over this. They think we've already been invaded. Right. Yeah. No, and, it, and it's funny that often it's like what, what people will expect Russia to, or any country, to tolerate. Like, this was the same in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. They would never tolerate if it was happening here. Oh, yeah. Imagine if there was some South American military alliance that Mexico wanted to join and to march, you know, military bases onto the border of Mexico and Texas. <laughs> uh, 
not even some <laughs> South American military alliance. Imagine if it was Russia. Well, yeah, that too. I mean, like it's just, NATO. Yeah. Everyone knows NATO is the U.S. True. Yeah. So that that's that's important. That's a, that is a good point, though. It's like uh, I was picking something that was at least like within the same land mass, roughly uh-huh. speaking. And we're you know yeah, halfway across the world, crossing oceans to to to, to right. do a lot of this. So that, that's that's an important point to to to, to bring up. I so I get that real quick, y'all. Yeah, thanks for stopping by, Catholic Caleb. Uh, Yep. So, uh, you know, Catholic Caleb's perspective, you know, he he brought up uh, before he had to leave his, you know, kind of like just war theory. And basically, you know, I I guess to summarize that again, his view was basically that, like, there is such a thing as a legitimate moral, Mm -hmm. you know, even like biblically sound defensive war uh but but that none of the wars you know being proposed today or or historically speaking have ever you know risen up to that to that level so you know what's what's your perspective you know would you would you agree with that or Um, you have a different take any nuance you want to add to that Uh, i so catholic caleb is a big uh thomas aquinas I think that's how you pronounce it, fan. Yes. And uh, he refined uh, just war significantly from Augustine, had a kind of a less set in stone uh, way of looking at it. Um, and I find myself more aligned with that. But I, I do like Aquinas. He kind of set out like five um, parameters for what a war needed to be, to be just. Uh, you can't be the aggressor. That, that's right out. Um, un, uh, you need to have a reasonable chance of success. Um, when you fight, you're only fighting combatants, no reprisals against civilians. Um, you, uh, you have to declare war, like you're not just atta- surprise attacking or whatever. Um, and there was one more I don't remember. And I think... I think there have been conflicts that started out that way. The problem is, especially as technology has escalated, conflicts escalate rapidly. Um, And also with, as you start peeling back the layers of history, you realize that nothing is ever cut and dry, which I think, which you mentioned earlier with, oh, we look at the movies and there's the good guys and the bad guys. Um, but we look at history and, oh, yeah, they they attacked so-and-so. Oh, well, so-and-so was building up an entire alliance designed to squash them. So, Well, I think, and, and like, I like to push things to as far an extreme as I can. Mm-hmm. Even, and even... So like like one common example I like to try to to I guess like engage in this intellectual exercise in is to see if we can even firmly conclude that the American Revolution was a justified war because I find that even if I'm being really charitable that it's not that clear cut. Um, um, <laughs> so American Revolution. I think it's iffy at best. Yeah. Uh, And certainly what was done after the revolution was not justified by what they believed caused it. Right. (laughs) Um, Like even you look at, you look at what is said in the declaration of independence and there are blatant lies that Thomas Jefferson, when he wrote it, would have known were blatant lies that were said just to the benefit of the uh, the people who were trying to set up this new nation. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, and uh, you know, it's to me, it's real. It's like there, 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 there are certainly fabrications we could point to. I even think just looking at to the relative level of tyranny that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that the the colonists were living under. It's like, well, compare what they were living under 
then to heck what's not even compared to today's government compared to like the government from like my childhood like the the 80s and 90s yeah like even you, then you it was trade still, it in a heartbeat yeah. <laughs> it's like uh yeah so it's like what what now was it utopia no but no. was there tyranny were there were there uh you know uh mistakes or over excesses uh you know overreaches of power mm-hmm. but th- that were being exercised well I, i'm sure there was the point is not to paint the the british monarchy as you know as as angels but just to be like you know i, I think especially you know as a christian you know when there, there's a lot of passages now th- this gets maybe something we need to discuss the difference between the sort of attitudes of, of violence in the new Testament versus the old, you know, certainly though, if I'm going to call myself a Christian and I got the sermon on the Mount, Jesus saying, you know, to, to turn the other cheek and mm-hmm. to, to not repay evil for evil. Romans 12 echoes the same thing. Uh, you know, Jesus, I think was largely rejected as Messiah because the Jews because were expecting his- him. Yeah. Jews were expecting him to lead a political revolution, they, they <laughs> possibly wanted, a violent one against the Romans. And yeah, they and, wanted another King David, and they got right. a savior. <laughs> right, exactly. So, you know, all, all of that, you know, kind of at least I, I would think that as Christians we would, you, you know, I don't necessarily subscribe to like a purist pacifist perspective on violence, mm-hmm. but. You would think that at the very least that there would be a high scrutiny applied to 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 war uh, and and initiating it. But I I feel like I feel like almost I don't know. I don't know where to blame this, but I feel like our our current American culture is very, you know, like we're we're so sheltered from it. Right. Like Mm -hmm. we haven't had foreign invaders in America I mean, I guess you could maybe count nine eleven as as that briefly, uh, if you're being charitable. But other than <laughs> that, you know, what's it, the last time there's been an invasion on American soil? What's the last time that some foreign entity dropped bombs on a major cosmopolitan city? Eighteen twelve. Yeah, I mean, it's like, been a long, it's been a been long a time. Uh, so I feel like Americans are so sheltered from the horrors of war that they just they're so easily able to distance themselves from that. Whereas, you know, for people living in Yemen or living in Iraq, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it's <laughs> the the consequences of war are unfortunately all too well known. Which is an interesting flip. Um compared to, say, 150 years ago, coming off the Civil War, um, America was incredibly isolationist because we knew the horrors of war, and Europe was ready to go. Everyone had forgotten Napoleon and uh, kept gearing up and ramping up and ramping up until World War I, and then it kind of got beaten out of them. 50 years later. Um, But you'd think after both world wars, that isolationism would have come back. Uh, But again, there was a lot of propaganda involved in both of those um, to, to get Americans ready to fight. And it's hard to undo that. You know, it's funny is you, you, you brought up the term isolationist, which, is something that sometimes is, is a pejorative thrown at people who are anti-war mm-hmm. um, uh, or who are just more, you know, localist, non-interventionist in our, in our kind of global politics. And, and it's funny because conservatives uh, for the most part will, will pay at least, uh, you know, like a, a sort of lip service to the idea of being anti-globalism. Mm-hmm. But when you look at their military interventionism uh, policy, it's like, is it? Are you against globalism, or are you just against the uh, the anti-conservative, anti-Ben Shapiro style globalism? It, it seems like you're a big fan of globalism as long as it's American imperialism and 
and stuff being rained upon from high. It is insane. I, I'm talking to people who I thought were there after all the COVID nonsense. Um, like they were with it. They were like, you know what? Maybe the government does not have my best interest at heart in anything it does. Um, and then uh, this stuff happens with Ukraine. And I'm like, you know, both sides have the reasons that they're fighting. Um, like, we can't just pretend that this is happening because Putin is crazy. And I'm getting called pro-Russia for it by family members. And I'm like, actually, we just shouldn't do anything. It's not our business. And they're like, no, you just... I, I don't understand. Uh, well, well here, here's what we're, we're forgetting in, in uh, I don't know, maybe this was in Corinthians or Galatians where where uh, Paul said that, uh, you know, thou shalt always pick the lesser of two evils. <laughs> oh. Wait, no, that's not in the Bible. <laughs> which, which seems to be that, that that's like the response I get, which is mm-hmm. like, well, you know, America's not perfect, but we live here and it could be worse. So, you know, just fight and die for your country it's like that it's uh, not even our country that they want me to go fight and die for <laughs> um, yeah no it's and, it, 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 go on it, it that I, I i mentioned it there the uh the idea that this is happening just because putin woke up one morning and went you know what's always been great for every country war i need one of those going on um that gets applied to a lot of people, historically speaking, where we just ignore any motivations they might have had for what they were doing. And then we get caught in this cycle because no one knows why things happened. Um, and it's like, well, why did World War I happen? Why did World War II happen? Why is Putin invading Ukraine? Eh, it was all evil people, most of them German. Well, and it's and it's amazing how like, you know, I, I approach foreign uh, policy, foreign affairs, and stuff that with with a lot of humility because it's mm-hmm. it is really hard to get well read on this stuff. I mean, uh, my my hats off to people like Scott Horton and and those over at the Libertarian Institute who keep up with it all because man, like between keeping a day job and raising a family. And, uh, you know, and, and I consider myself more well-informed than most people, but like just with the amount of activism and, and, and research and reading I do, it's just like, man, like it's hard enough to figure out what's going on in my county. You know uh-huh. what I mean? And then like, okay, now let me have extend that from my county to my state, my state to my country. Now let me understand not just the relationship between my country and other countries, but now let me understand the interpolitics of, of other countries and, and what's going on there. And it's a, it's a lot. And we're yeah. going off of second and third hand sources uh, a lot of the time. So it's even then it's like, you'll often get a different sense of, uh, of the situation on the ground. If you're getting the information second and third hand compared mm-hmm. to, living amongst uh, you know going and visiting the people just talk to them be like what's it like to live here what's everyone's views on what's going on and there, there's a dehumanization sort of aspect to, to nationalism that's at play there uh you know and, and and but but also there's like this this arrogance that's almost prideful uh that a lot of people have that just like well obviously i understand this foreign this foreign conflict with a degree of perfection that not only uh gives me the authority to know who was in the right but gives me that authority to the degree to which that now i can with complete moral conscience and (laughs) and with a clean slate uh condemn thousands of people to death on both sides like that just uh it just doesn't i i can't I can't square it. I don't. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't understand where I lose people in that. Just like you know, yeah. let's have a humility to just, you know, 
I don't I don't view it as isolationist to not want to interfere in the you know affairs of of other of other people you know like I I support mission trips I support foreign aid in mm-hmm. a sense of like you know if if there's some kind of natural disaster or you know something going on where people are in need of help that you know especially as a Christian the church should absolutely yeah. fill that role to 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 be love your neighbor you know what I mean to do yep. unto the least of these but I, I I don't know I guess Jesus said that which you've done unto the least of these you've done unto me I'm pretty sure what was described in that passage was maybe the expectation of food or shelter, not, you know, bombs and military occupation. <laughs> well, you know what, Jesus, those kids in Yemen, um, I wanted to do that to you. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> like, I, I, I love you so much, Jesus, that the way I'm showing my love is in it's a fiery burning passion being rained <laughs> down from on high. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just it, it it's 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 crazy. It's like it's hard to believe if it, it, if it weren't for the fact that like I encounter these people on a near daily basis, it's hard to believe that there are Christians who, you know, almost that that you know that they might not phrase it as hyperbolic or you know to to make it sound as absurd as what I'm describing, but it, it is sort of what they're trying to to, to say, um, uh, you know. But mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's not isolationist. It's just like, it, it's just humility. It's just like, you know, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a desire. It's a, a humility of my perspective. And it's a, I think, I think a proper understanding of what the Bible says in terms of like, well, you know, your greatest responsibility and where your sphere of influence will be greatest is in your, you know, your family first and foremost, and in your local church and mm-hmm. community. And that's where your, that's where your efforts should be focused on. Yeah. And if everybody was doing that, we would avoid a lot of these, a lot of these problems. I, I guess, I don't know if part of it is culture. I don't know if certainly, certainly a major part of it is, I would say the propaganda in the public schools. Mm-hmm that were raised, you know, on the holy wars that, that America's fought. But I, but I also sometimes, you know, maybe we can get into this a little bit. Get, I, I'd like to pick your brain, you know, what you think. It, it seems like a lot of people also, you know, Christians especially, uh, with the, the ones who are war hawkish will often like to point to the Old Testament in a, in a somewhat weird romantic way, <laughs> kind of, uh, to, to, to justify, like, you know, it's like, oh, well, Jesus, you know, God said to, you know, destroy all the, 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 the Amorites, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, obviously that that's like, okay, well, are there any Amorites in Yemen? <laughs> if, if there are, I will go, you know what? Right. <laughs> finish, finish what the, what the Israelites started. No, there aren't any there. All right. I'm good. Right. Um, yeah, it see the there's a few things with the Old Testament. One, uh God specifically told the people go and do that. Not go and do that and when you see bad people in the future also do it then. Every time in the Old Testament they go to war, God told them to go to war and when they go to war without God telling them to go to war, bad things happen. Um, you look at uh, uh, King uh, King David, and it says, uh, at the time when the kings went off to war, David sent his army, and that's the time he stayed home, slept with Bathsheba, and murdered one of his good friends. Um, yeah, dude, that's... <laughs> like, there is so much to that story. <laughs> again, and we're not even getting into the story, just skipping straight to yeah. the... David was engaging in warfare that God had not called him to. And then he was neglecting his job as king and not actually being with his army like he should have been. Right. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But Israel was engaging in war that God hadn't called it to. And that that's the first domino in that chain of events. 
Um, and uh, but throughout the Old Testament, the Israelites are called to specific conflicts, almost all of them defensive or retaking what they lost because they try to fight without God and lose. Um, and also, especially with the conquest of Canaan, the Israelites were innocent of the crimes being committed in Canaan that God was putting a stop to. Um, you look at like Molech worship and things like that. The Israelites weren't doing that. And they were putting a stop to some of the most evil things any group of humans have ever done. Right. And it was a, and, and like, this wasn't like they had their own churches where they, <laughs> they sang nice praise songs to, to Molech and Baal. Like, no. their worship was often, I mean, like just the most demonic, oh, evil, yeah, depraved um, things that, that you could, you, you know, you imagine, the, yeah, <laughs> you imagine the worst thing you possibly can. And then you read up about it and find out it's actually worse than what right. you imagined. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and, and, and to be fair, it's not that I'm saying our current culture is, you know, oh, a bunch is, is completely God fearing and holy. That's where I was going with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you look at those just, okay, worst things you can imagine. Then it gets worse kinds of things that they were doing in Canaan. And you look at what we're doing in America today and it's right at that same level. The same things are going on. Um, there's a, a pastor on Twitter. He, he's anonymous. Eighth uh, century wood chipper, I think is his handle. And he's <laughs> been posting a, uh, a series of sermons that he's given on comparing uh, America today to Israel in the time of the judges specifically the times between judges when, because they didn't wipe out the Canaanites, they were copying what they had done. Um, so that's the other huge thing besides God calling the Israelites to war in the old Testament is that the people they were warring against were committing crimes that the Israelites were largely innocent of. And I don't see that today. I see the United States is as guilty as anyone else of anything we're accusing them of. Yeah, no, and that, 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 that I agree. That's a good way to put it. I mean, there's a hypocrisy that mm -hmm. is, is largely apparent. And I also think that this gets into, I guess, like a little bit of your, you know, your, your hermeneutics of how you read the, the Old Testament. I've always felt like the Old Testament, I mean, there's, there's multiple layers, right? Like there's a lot of things going on at once. A, yeah. a big part of the Old Testament is, of course, foreshadowing and pointing to christ and the need mm -hmm. for a savior i i think also the, you know maybe one of the the minor themes or lessons is you know even when israel was doing what god said and was engaging in this the war against these evil people it's like well you know for all their efforts it's not like they purged all the evil people and mm -hmm. then evil people never rose up <laughs> anywhere right. else ever again so it's like you know, there's part of what God did, and this, you know, this is like where angry atheists just like, you know, get completely like, you know, you see how shallow, shallowly they read the Bible, mm -hmm. right? Because they don't understand like the, the, the narrative or sort of like the, the big picture and sort of like re redemptive right purposes that god is doing through israel in the old testament sort of showcase and the way it's like one of the ways that he points to the need for a savior is to be like you know this was my chosen nation and th through war and conquest conquest and might they were not usher able to usher in a holy kingdom mm -hmm. of god you know what i mean yeah. So, so I feel like I feel like part of part of I mean again I'm I'm oversimplifying what is really would be best sort of described in like a two to three hour dissertation or a long thesis. Right. But I think you get what I'm saying, which is that like, uh, not only because I agree with everything you said, which were you know important points to start out with that like God's not commanding anyone today 
and that there's certainly a, a large element of hypocrisy present now. You know, we're, we're not talking about good, virtuous, godly people warring against, you know, heathens. It's sort of like mm-hmm. heathens fighting heathens. And, right. You know, the Christians are like, well, we got to side with the, the best heathens, <laughs> which is just <laughs> silly. Yeah. Uh, but but beyond that, it's just like I feel like by the time we get to Jesus, Jesus is saying, you know, war and conquest and 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 might, you know, these are not the ways to the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but, but rather, Jesus kind of shows to us that the, the you know the kingdom of God comes from you know what you do to the least the least of these comes from loving your neighbor comes yeah. from in the face of adversity, picking up your cross and following after Christ. And, you know, it's understanding that, you know, this is not our home understanding that, you know what I mean? So there's a lot there that I think the church is, is missing. And uh, unfortunately it's just incredibly heartbreaking because now, you know, Jesus has his name (laughs) attached in such a, you know, yeah. what I would call, you know, is is either, I mean, I, even if I was being charitable, it's 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 hard to say it's not just complete blasphemy to be putting the name of Jesus and conflating it with these mass genocides and these, these yeah. mass war campaigns and the propaganda and stuff that's, that's put out there. Um, and, you know, if you're somebody who believes in hell, if you're somebody <laughs> that reads the Bible and takes it seriously— you know, uh, there's a lot of sins that are that are up there, but claiming yeah. to do things in the name of God that are actually contrary to what he wants is mm-hmm. not a good place to be yeah. if you're work, trying to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Um, yeah, um, you, you said something. It, it made me think that just looking at the 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 war in the old testament uh it didn't work um like you said um and then pointing forward uh they the 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 jews in jesus's day wanted to try it again and have jesus lead this political military revolution um but we look at the old testament further and like we see again looking at it from our perspective the the sacrificial system didn't work it only works when god does it and so god made a sacrifice and it worked and what we see in revelation is that there's no human conflict that's going to fix this god is going to do it and it's going to work um it the the more i talk about these things the more of a pacifistic bent i get yeah Uh, i hear you (laughs) um because it's just uh that's not like you said this isn't our home uh we're the steward of it but it's the the world as a whole um but like the united states isn't my home country uh so why would i why would i go and fight and die for it um, I'll fight and die for the kingdom of heaven, uh, but I haven't been told to do that yet. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and you know, and we, you know, I forget the exact verse, but, you know, we don't struggle against flesh, flesh and, blood. and blood, but but against mm-hmm. uh, principalities and the forces of darkness. And, yeah. you know, the the way that, you know, and it's like, you know, pacifism is such a, uh, a like a, I think a, a very unfortunately misunderstood and abused term and subject because it ends up coming down to these autistic debates about like, well, what if person breaks into your house and has a gun pointed at your family? And, and it's not even to make light of that. I'm not saying that never right. happens. No, that's situation that people have asked yeah. those questions of me. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, okay, so, you know, I, I have no problem saying that there are situations where, whether or not it's right, I know that I am going to use force mm-hmm. to protect my family, especially my children. Yeah. <laughs> and and but to me, it's like, okay, well, that's easy. It's like, 
you know, where the rubber beats the road of whether we call it pacifism or we just, or we're, we're truthfully and genuinely wrestling with what Jesus taught when he said to turn, turn the other cheek. Uh, because I mean, the whole thing saying like, you've heard it say an eye for an eye, but I tell you now that if, you know, your uh, enemy strikes you on you know, your left cheek, turn to him the other. And if uh, someone asks you to, to walk with them for a mile, to walk, to walk it, to walk another mile. And, mm-hmm. you know, just there's something about, uh, and he says this, like there's something about responding to hate with Christ-like love uh, that turn together cheek that actually defeats the enemy in a way that just responding with like doesn't. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the problem is people conflate pacifism with like, with, like they, they think it means passiveness, right? Right. Which is not actually what pacifism means. Pacifism is to pacify, not to be passive. I think as Christians, we are called to be you know, actors, right? Like yeah. we're called to be, you know, bold and uh, be strong and courageous and to go forth mm-hmm. and, you know, but the way we conquer, like we don't conquer by, you know, burning things down or toppling, you know, like think about like Jericho, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. we, we just march around and proclaim the truth and, and the world scorns us and laughs at us and, beats us down but then you know that fourth day when the final circle was made you know and we we, we blast our horns the walls come crumbling down yeah. like about the story of of, of gideon you mm-hmm. know i mean there's so many examples even I, if we're going to talk about the old testament yeah. it's like well how did god you know even in in actual military com- conflicts how did god wage war he didn't mm-hmm. wage war by just like you're gonna have the biggest strongest mightiest military and reign godly holy freedom yeah. out upon people it was it was a different type of warfare even back then which i think paints a picture for how we fight the spiritual war that we need to be fighting now yeah um um i the i think it was elisha is the example that comes to my mind where the enemy army was outside the city yeah and elisha's kind of freaking out he's like god uh, when are you going to show up? And then opens his eyes and there's an army of angels around the city. The whole enemy army goes blind and he leads them back home. Uh, right. And um, so even in the wars that God called his people to, God does most of the heavy lifting. Um, and uh, it, but he does have us act as a part of it also. I, I think that's nice of him to include us in his, in his plan. <laughs> right. Isn't it so like, like a little tangent here, but like, I've always been so humbled by that, by like God chooses to work through us. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't have to, he's, he's shown time and time again that the, the, the bounds of his power are, are limitless and he can use a donkey to accomplish yeah. his purposes you know he's like if if no one else will the mountains will 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 sing his praises but like just the fact that god chooses to work through people is just such mm-hmm. a a marvelous thing but it's like but 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 with that in mind it's like well you know if you're a holy temple that this the spirit of god lives in it's like act like it right like mm-hmm. and don't and and then like don't from your safe position here in the West in America, uh, support contracting other people to go and do things that you would not be, you know, that if you were if you're genuinely acting with the sort of awareness of being a temple of the mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit of God, that that you would engage in that kind of hate and violence um but again i think a lot of this comes down to propaganda and i think it comes yeah. down to like you know I, I maybe like the last little thing we'll get on here is i think the problem is christians have for i mean this is old this is like millennia old have bought into this bought into this sort of like this lie this warping of the gospel that 
following Jesus and being on God's side means that co- comes with a certain security or safeness that isn't really true. Not that is not in, a, in an earthly sense. I mean, the apostles certainly didn't <laughs> yeah. find themselves uh, very safe. And, you know, th- th- there's a little bit of nuance here. God preserves people all the time throughout the Bible and throughout history. And I'm not saying God just leaves us out to dry, but mm-hmm. the primary benefit to following after Christ is not the promise of zero persecution and right. the promise of ultimate security and safety. Uh, th- I think that's pretty ap- apparent to me, but I think the problem is in the same way that many Americans trade essential liberties for what they think are comfort and security. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christians, I think, are are have unfortunately for many many years been willing to do the same thing. Um, yeah, it it the church in America is what I'm going to speak to. Uh, depending on where you go abroad, it's in name only a church or the most on fire for God place you'll ever be. Um, In America, it definitely feels like um, what you said, trading liberty for security. The church has um, given up on certain issues because they know most people know the biblical stance on some things is going to get the church persecuted. Um, here's stateside. Uh, and so you'll never hear a sermon on it. Uh, and the church is safe, but it's not free to speak God's word and it's not fulfilling its mission. If it's being, if its focus is to be safe. Do you feel like part of this problem, I mean, this is kind of me just just came to my mind, but Mm -hmm. it's part of the problem that a lot of Protestant churches, uh, maybe, I I don't don't know much about Catholics, but, you know, as a Protestant myself, Mm -hmm. most of the Protestant churches are, even the good ones, they they have an element to them that are, you know, like, the the career it's you know these pastors it's like it's their career right like their livelihoods come from the church and so like mm-hmm. you know I, I can't help but notice that conflict of interest to be like you know if if yeah. your livelihood comes from what you do how do you escape the incentives to you know like like nobody can perfectly escape and act you know with integrity through those incentives perfectly you know right. what i mean like even the best intent like like you know, like i love my pastor i'm not I, mm-hmm. i'm not trying to throw him or anyone under the bus but it's just like they're only human you know what i mean right like, uh so um, i feel like that's part of the problem is that like uh yeah. you know uh, there, there's a certain fine you know uh, f- financial incentive that creates a a, a, a yep. incentive there i think 100 percent um I think the 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 lesson of Paul is huge where in that where he says we we paid our own way in everything we did and he's talk he's a missionary in that he's not in a home church but I think we can apply it to that as well where um Paul didn't have to worry and didn't worry because he kept getting arrested. He didn't worry about what people thought about what he was saying. He wasn't reliant on people agreeing with him financially. Um, he could, if no one listened to him and everyone hated him for what he said, he was taking care of himself financial, financials-wise. And the, the Protestant church in America doesn't have that, where they're dependent on people liking what they say enough to give money to hear more of it. And there's all, yeah, like you said, there's always going to be an incentive to say things that people like, because that's how you feed your family. Even that, that, that's a noble ambition, feeding your children, feeding your, your family. 
but it is an incentive that is there to say things that will make that happen. Yeah. No. So maybe maybe what we could do to draw this to a close. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously there's no magic wand solution here. And I don't want to put you on the spot and be like, okay, so we've identified the problem and now, you know, obviously you have the the perfect solution that'll, you know, wake everybody up and solve all this. But you know, you know, in your experience, you know, what are some of the ways that we can, I don't know, both, I guess like the two things we're trying to do is one to call attention to the horrors of war uh, so that people are not so, I don't know, deafened to, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the concerns there and to the horrors of it. But then two, like, you know, engaging in Christian circles and stuff, how can we, you know, in a non-divisive way, uh, in a in a productive way, talk to our our brothers and sisters sisters in Christ, and you know, start trying to to peel back like the layers of propaganda to to you know um, try to try to pull them out of that the 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 mindset that they're in. I think with uh to the second uh, to both points is um something i mentioned at the start if you hear someone say something that is just blatantly and obviously false with 10 seconds of research that can be addressed right there and i think it would be good to address that right there um go like and again not a wait a second that's a lie but just a oh so like um Gog and Magog is north of Turkey. Let me let me pull up a map and look. Oh, it's not Russia. Um, oh, the uh, like we see on Twitter all the time in the libertarian circles of oh, the United States has never attacked a country that didn't deserve it. Okay, well, actually, we're we're blowing up Yemen right now. Um, I think there are easy things to just open up conversations to try and kind of pull back a layer of propaganda, um, not even confronting the worldview of um, that's behind it, just what it is that they're seeing. Because um, people don't know they've been propagandized. You can't, like, you can't open up with, oh, no, everything you believe is wrong about this. You have right. to open up with one thing, open up one crack in it. And then I think that opens the conversation. Um, for the horrors of war, uh, I have no idea how to make that <laughs> apparent. Uh, like it's hard to shake people out of their comfort zones. It is. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, like I, I think of the people outside, like abortion clinics, with the picture of yeah. a dead baby, and I'm like, well, you I know what? <laughs> Yeah, maybe we need to start like holding p- pictures, pictures of blown of up war. children. Like, yeah, I don't know, something to wake these people up. Um, like, hey, it... your tax dollars paid for this with just right. Uh, I, but then, I I don't know if that would work. I don't know what would happen if someone did that. Uh, but uh, with I, with I, war, I... it's so crazy how. And it even is for me too. How romanticized it is. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's. Mm-hmm. I, I think you know. Obviously, it's it's just like it's like an everyday step by step thing. You know, planting mm-hmm. seeds and just trying to speak the truth. You know, uh, one verse that came to mind that I want to close on that I think is an important element too. Galatians three twenty eight because there, there is neither. Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. There is no male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And I think really like, you know, that's an important thing we have to push back to, to be like, stop, like it's not Americans and Russians. It's not cowboys and Indians. You know what I mean? Like, you Mm -hmm. know, it's, you know, like we are all one in, in Christ. We are all Christ's children. So stop, you know, where are your loyalties? Yeah. If you claim to be part of the kingdom of God, be part of the kingdom of God because you cannot serve two masters. Mm-hmm. That so, might be the 
the crux of it. Yeah. Well, Caleb, I really appreciate you uh, coming on, and uh, I appreciate Catholic Caleb too coming on yeah. the beginning for a little bit. Uh, definitely going to have you back on sometime because uh, you have a lot of good ideas, and uh, we definitely. I know you have a lot of uh, uh, things to say about history and stuff too. I know you're you're really studied in I, that from our previous conversation. So we're yeah. definitely going to have you back on to 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 go into some of that and stuff too. So uh, absolutely. Yep. Uh, I will give you any any closing remarks or uh, you know plugs or anything you want to want to say before we close out. Uh, love people and love God. Not in that order. <laughs> um, no, I uh, thanks for having me on. I had an absolute blast. Awesome. Uh, what's your uh, Twitter handle in case people want to follow you on Twitter? At Caleb underscore Salmon. If it's just at Caleb Salmon, that's my account from high school, and I don't have the password. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Thanks, Caleb, for coming on. Uh, thanks to those who watched. And until next time, remember don't fear the fire. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are, leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.